0: If you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 is where I would like to begin at this morning, in the first few verses of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Romans chapter 1, beginning with the first verse, says, Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Let's stop right there. Will you go, to, uh, go with me in a word of prayer, right? Go with me to the Lord in a word of prayer, if you'll bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you one more time this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given us to gather here this morning, to worship you in spirit and truth, to lift, a, uh, to lift you up here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for each one that's come our way this morning. We thank you for the roof you put over our head. We thank you for the nation that we live in, the many blessings that you poured out on us. But we thank you most of all uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, uh, who, bl- who sacrificed, bled, died, uh, and risen again so that we might have life. So that one day we can live with you forever in eternity. And Lord, I just pray as we go forward here this morning in this service, Lord, have your way and your will in our midst. Do what only you can do here this morning, and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, you tell us in your word that you're the searcher of hearts. There is nothing that you don't know, nothing that is hidden from you, nothing that you don't see. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, right now, Lord, I don't know the needs of everyone that is here. I I probably really don't know the needs of hardly anyone. And even if I did know, there is little to nothing that I could do. But, Lord, there is nothing that you cannot do. There is no need so great that you cannot meet it. No hurt so deep that you can't heal it. So, Lord, we just ask that you would just move in this service in a mighty way and do what only you can do. Ask that you'd lift up those that need to be lifted up, encourage those that need to be encouraged. Lord, that you'd give a healing touch to those that stand in need of a healing touch, encouragement to those that need encouragement, conviction to those of us, those that don't know you, those that are lost and undone, those that have strayed away. So, Lord, I'm just asking, help me and help all of us to get out of the way and let you be God of this service and do what only you can do. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. And Lord, let me ask one more thing. Lord, I need your help here this morning. I can't preach lest you give it to me. I got nothing to say lest it comes from you. So Lord, I'm just asking that you'd clear my mind of everything but your message, your words, your thoughts. Place on my tongue the very things that you'd have me to say here this morning. And I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, I'm asking for your holy unction, for your anointing this morning. And, Lord, my desire is to see see you move not only in this service, but in the hearts and the minds of each one here in a mighty way. And we'll give you all the glory. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. L- let, me, let me read that fourth verse to you one more time here this morning. And declare it. And they're talking about Jesus, right? Jesus... Christ uh, Jesus of Nazareth Jesus and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead do you hear that this morning declared to be the son by the resurrection of uh, from the dead declared with power to be the son of of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One that was foretold to the prophets of old, right? Declared to be the Son by the resurrection from the dead. Listen to me here this morning. The resurrection, that's what we're celebrating, right? Right? This is Resurrection Sunday. Now, we associate a lot of things with it, right? We think about the events that's happened this week leading up to it. We think about the Last Supper, which we're actually going to remember that tonight in our communion and foot-washing service. That's the two things that took place uh, uh, at that Last Supper, right, was the the communion, right, where he gave that and said, this is my body and it's broken for you, this cup is my blood, right? That takes place and then he washed his disciples feet so we're going to remember that tonight and have a special service for that tonight a lot of things that happened this week that we remember right we remember the mock trial that took place right we remember uh, how you know he was made fun of we remember how he was beaten right and all the strikes we remember all of that we remember his garments torn from him we remember the the thla- the crown of thorns Anybody that would like to try this on, you can see me afterwards, and you're more than welcome to try that on. I promise you, you'll only do it once. Uh, but anyways, uh, we, we, we think about these things, and we remember these things, and, and we do so much, right? And, and Friday, we had uh, what we refer to and think of as Good Friday Friday. Uh, And and so, you know, we we have all these things that are going on this time of year. But it's all leading up to what we're celebrating here today. We're celebrating the resurrection from the dead. Do you understand this morning what that means, right? That means that the grave is empty. Glory to God. Hey, I can take you out, and I say this all the time, but I mean it. I can take you and show you the bones of Buddha, every other prophet, false prophet, and, and the religious leader and so on and so forth that has ever existed. But we cannot do that with Jesus. All we can do is show you an empty tomb because He is risen. Glory to God. The tomb is empty. He is risen and ascended to the right hand of the Father. That is what we're celebrating, not a dead God, not a dead prophet, not a dead religious leader or guru, right, that lived centuries and centuries ago. We're talking about a risen Savior, a risen God. That is who, a living God, the only true and living God. That is what we're remembering. That is what we are celebrating. That's why this is Resurrection Sunday. And the resurrection, you've got to understand, if you don't get this, I pray this sinks in with you this morning. You have got to get and you have got to understand the resurrection from the dead provides irrefutable, undeniable evidence that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he is The Son of God. Do you get what I'm saying here this morning? Irrefutable, undeniable evidence. The the resurrection, right? Think about this for just a minute. Let's think about the proof of the resurrection. I like how it says it in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Acts 1-3, right? Right? Luke who is who is what we would consider a forensic reporter right that is the role that he takes he was a physician but he very educated man but that is the position that he takes as he writes he writes both the gospel according to Luke and he writes Acts these are both letters right that he has written to an individual right that it's named in the beginning of both of those Theopolis right he writes to them telling them the things that have transpired that have taken place right he is sharing the results of his investigation, right? He is firsthand account, right? He is talking to the people that were eyewitnesses to all of this. He is gathering their testimonies and their evidence and he has put it together and he is sending this on, right? And so I like what he says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, To whom also he showed himself, talking about Jesus, Jesus showed himself alive after his passion, right? That's talking about after his crucifixion, after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days in speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Infallible, by many infallible proofs. Infallible means unmistakable, undeniable, It is not speculation, it is fact, right? It goes against the natural world, it goes against uh, our logic and our reason, but it is absolutely irrefutable, it is infallible, Uh, it is unmistakable, it is undeniable evidence. Let me take you a step farther and read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just the first few verses here. Says this. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. By which also, and by which also, ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Right? All these things were prophesied beforehand, hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand. Verse 5. And that he was seen of Cephas. That's another, that's Peter. Then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep, right? He's saying that most of them are still alive, but a few have passed away. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. Do you see what he is testifying to here, right? This is the time when these people were alive, when they could have come up and said, wait a minute, that's not right, right? That's fake news, you're making that up. No, there was, in, at the time, there was no nobody disputing this whatsoever. He was seen alive by over 500 people after his resurrection. after his After his crucifixion, his death, Three days in the tomb, then his resurrection, and he was seen by many people over the course of 40 days. And one particular time, there was over 500 people that saw him at one time. Right, that that is way beyond. That is not some sort of, uh, you know, that is not some sort of, uh, uh, you know, people's minds t- playing tricks on them or anything like that. Right, and and like I said at the time, no one argued. Right, N- the day that he died. Right, no one argued that, uh, about his death. Right, it was observed, it was recorded, it was documented by professionals as a fact. Those Romans. Right, there were certain Roman soldiers. That were used for crucifixion. They were professionals. They knew what they were doing. There was no mistaking it, right? They knew. They checked, right? Their life depended on it. They had to have an accurate uh, report, right? So it was documented, recorded by professionals. No one at that time, right, was arguing that he was dead. No one doubted his death when he died on the cross. And then, Three days later, three days later, the tomb is empty. Over the course of the next 40 days, he's seen by many people. And one particular instance, he is seen by over 500 people. Do you know what that means? I've laid out to you, here is the fact. The facts are, he was dead, and now he's alive. There's enough witness and testimony to that. Do you realize, uh, we could almost say almost everyone in the course of all history that has ever been bought, brought before any kind of court in sentence to death, Right? That We view that as the most ultimate punishment. We view that as, as a, you know, a jury is going to issue that kind of guilty verdict and give out that kind of punishment. They've got, they're going to be sure beyond any reasonable doubt, right? Do you realize there's more evidence, to, by far, far more evidence to the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there has been, in, in, as far as I can know of, than any other, right? That people have been put to death for far less evidence it's a fact the fact is now how you interpret it what you decide to do with it that's up to you and then we then we're going to get into faith right then it's a matter of faith what you're going to do from that point forward but the facts are and they're undeniable he was dead and now he's alive so let me talk to you that's the proof of the resurrection let me talk to you about what does the resurrection mean to us right now. Well, the resurrection is the confirmation that atonement was made for you and I. That's a fancy word, atonement. That's not a word I use in everyday conversation by by, by by far, but that is a Bible word. It's a technical term. What it means in just regular old hillbilly language God accepted his sacrifice. Our sins have been, the price has been paid for our sins. Right? Do, do, you, do you realize that? All of us are born into iniquity. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect. If you're perfect, I'd like to meet you. Go ahead. Raise your hand if you're perfect. If you've never done anything wrong. If you've never transgressed in any way, shape, or form. Right? I think I could ask that question anywhere. And if everybody would be 100% honest, right, nobody could raise their hand. Right? So the fa- so the thing is, is we've got a sin debt. Right? We have all sinned. We've all Fallen short of the glory of God. We've all said things that we shouldn't do. We've all done things that we hadn't ought to do. We've behaved in ways that we should not, right? That that means not only of ourselves, but does not bring glory to God, right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does the resurrection mean? It means that there has been a sacrifice that has been offered, right? The blood of the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, has been shed for your sins and for my sins. For all the sins that's ever been committed from the beginning of time to the end of time. Right? That is the hard thing that is for me to even understand or fathom that when he died on Calvary's cross, the blood that was shed there, right? The one drop was enough to cover us, right? To cover our sins, right? So what does it mean? Atonement has been made for our sins. God The resurrection, if God had not accepted the sacrifice, the resurrection wouldn't have happened. The resurrection, which is established as proof, it's undeniable, right? We we can can choose to believe a lie all we want, but the facts are he was dead and now he's alive. The resurrection is the proof that God, that he is who he said he was, the Son of God, the Lamb, right? Slain from the foundation of the world, right? The one who is to die for the sins of the whole world. So the resurrection is the proof that God accepted that. That his death is sufficient for our sins. To cover us. For our, what does that mean, right? You know, you think, okay, fine, that's good. What does that mean? That means that for forgiveness, he paid the price. Have you ever thought about that? Right, there are so many. Right, I wish every person got saved and every person went, went to heaven. As a matter of fact, I'm not the only one who wishes that. God wishes that. God in His Word says that it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right, that's what He tells us in Second Peter chapter three. That's His desire. That is His will. Right, but we know that there is going to be people. Uh, there's lots of people. Right, who reject it. Right, who reject Christ. Who reject the sacrifice. Who reject His forgiveness. Right, and they. Choose right. That that I mean, when if you reject it, then you're choosing the other side. They are choosing an eternity separated from God. Do you know what an eternity separated from God is? It's another name for it. It's not one another one of them Bible names. It's called hell. It's called hell. Now I didn't come to preach about, and and I could. There's a. I mean, I'll say it this way: it's a place where. flame is never quenched where the worm dieth not. It's a place of wailing and gnashing of teeth, of torment and utter, total, outer darkness and blackness, right? Like you can't even imagine. would even wish on your worst enemy. But he paid the price so that none of us would have to go there. None of us would have to face that punishment, that separation from God. All of us can be reconciled with God, right? Things can be made right between us and God. As a matter of fact, Jesus already done the hard part. All you got to do is accept it. You ever thought about that? The gift is there. It's extended. All you've got to do is receive it. Accept it. So, what does the resurrection mean? mean for us it means that forgiveness of sins is available to us the resurrection means right it is the confirmation that atonement has been made for you and i the resurrection means that jesus is the messiah the anointed one the christ The only begotten Son of God. The resurrection means that my preaching right now is not in vain. Right? It means that our preaching, our declaring of the gospel, is not in vain, right? The resurrection means that our faith is is not in vain. When we put our faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? We trust in Him for salvation. It means that that is not in vain. The resurrection is the evidence. It is the proof that our faith is not wasted, that it's not useless, that it's not futile, right? For no reason. It's not in nothing or empty, right? We have our faith in Jesus Christ, right? It's not futile. The resurrection means that we can have eternal life that we can live forever with God. The resurrection means that we can now boldly approach the throne of grace. Do you realize that? Right before the resurrection, before Christ and what he done, you could nobody could approach God. But now when we get our heart right, right, when we accept him, now we can, boldly, in our time of need, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. I've heard so many, So many people over the years. The one that stands out to me the most, and this is the one, because I would never want to say anything publicly that somebody told me privately, but this one, the person said it publicly on national TV. So that's why I use this one as an example, but I have heard almost word for word this same thing so many times. When John Edwards was running for president, I think it was 2008, it was him and John Kerry and somebody else on the Democratic side. Well, I guess any, Barack Obama and them. But anyways, it's when social media, I mean, was really on the rise. And, the, and it was the first time that I'd seen anything where people were able to be active in what was going on live. I don't remember if they were doing it through Facebook or what it was through. But anyways, they had a like a town hall type, it was like a debate, but it was questions. And the questions, instead of coming from a moderator, instead of coming from a news person, it was individual people like you and I sending them in through national media. Or I mean through, not national media, social media. And the question come to... John Edwards, or he got it anyways. Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe in prayer? He come back, and you can go back, I guarantee you can find this clip on YouTube, and you can go home and watch it for yourself, or get out your phone, just not right now, after service, and look it up and watch this for yourself. I was watching it live sitting in my living room as a new Christian, newer Christian. You could see... His demeanor changed. You could see the bitterness in him. Turns out, and I didn't know this about him, but he had had a teenage, I believe it was a teenage son. He had a son that had died, tragically. I, I don't remember if it was an illness, accident, whatever. Doesn't matter. He'd had a child that died. I can't even imagine what that would be like. And he said, his answer, he quoted that he told that about his son dying and said that the reason that he did not believe in prayer the reason that he did not believe in God is as his son was lying there and dying he prayed and God didn't answer his prayer didn't save his son answer his prayer the way that he wanted him This is sad, and this is hard, and this is harsh, but this is the truth, and you need to know it. If your heart ain't right with God, your prayer ain't going above this ceiling. It ain't going no farther than the sound of your voice. How sad. I've never been in that situation, but I can... I can only imagine how sad it must be to be in a situation like that with a child going through something like that. And because of your own choices, because of your own rebellion against God, because you decided to do what you wanted to do and what felt good to you and to, you know, enjoy the pleasures of this world, right? Instead of seeking after God, you all of a sudden find yourself in a position where you cannot even cry out to God for the life of your child. That's what it means when I I told you what the resurrection means to us. Now, you and I can boldly approach the throne of grace, right? In our time of need, in our time of trouble, right? Whatever that may be, whether that's temptation, whether that's great tragedy, whatever it is. But listen to me. You've got to accept it right you can't just all of a sudden god is not your uh, celestial butler he's not your magic genie you can't just call on him whenever you want whenever you're in need right you're got to make a decision either you're going to give him your heart or you're not either you're going to live for him or you're going to live for yourself and if you decide to live for yourself don't come sniveling whining crying to me you made your choice you made your bed live it lie in it now that's kind of harsh but that's true the resurrection means that now we have a way to God now if we will accept him and choose to live for him give our heart to him we can boldly approach the throne of grace we now have access to God because of what Christ did on our behalf I'm telling you these things they should give us hope And when I say hope, don't misunderstand what I mean by that word. I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm not talking about like going down here and buying a lottery ticket, which, by the way, you shouldn't ever throw your money away on, but that's up to you. But, anyways, I'm not talking about going down here and buying a lottery ticket and hoping that you win. Right? That kind of wish, that's just wishful thinking. You know that you're probably not going to win. You know you got, what is it, one chance in a million or whatever of winning, right? That's probably not going to happen. No, when I talk about our hope is in Jesus Christ, when the Bible talks about our hope is in Jesus Christ, it means a confident expectation or anticipation. It is something that is going to happen. So, talking about something that's going to happen. What does the resurrection mean to us in terms of our future? Well, in the same chapter in First Corinthians chapter 15 that I was in, if I read the first eight verses, if we go a little farther to verse 20, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead. Right? That's what we've been talking about here. Now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For in all die for in, excuse me, verse twenty two. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits; afterward they are Christ at His coming. Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. Right? Do you hear that? Do you get that? He is the first fruits. Right. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, in the first begotten of the dead, in the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The first fruits, right? That is an assurance or a guarantee that the future harvest will take place, right? He is the first one, right? The first resurrection to permanently uh, be raised from the dead, right? Jesus was the first person to be permanently raised from the dead. But we have the future assurance that just as his grave is empty, so will ours be uh, uh, as well one day, right? Ours will be empty also, right? So the so the resurrection means that it guarantees us, it means to us there will be A future resurrection. I like to think about that resurrection day, right? We, we, we think about it and talk about it in terms of the second coming of Christ. I think about it like this, right? It, it, that future resurrection, right? That day of resurrection is coming. The day the Lord is coming back, right? Hey, have you ever thought about exactly what all that what that's going to entail? What that's going to look like? What that's going to sound like? What that's going to feel like? Have you ever thought about that before? Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, I'm telling you something. In the moment in a twinkling of an eye, right? You're going to hear the trump of God. The Bible tells us that it's the voice of the archangel, right? He's going to let out a sound. that's called the trump of God. I guess it's going to sound like a trumpet. I don't know. Sau- or Time is going to stop, right? Right then in that moment, that's when time is going to stop the eastern sky is going to be split glory to God the Lamb of God and all of heaven will be emptied out hallelujah and we are going to be caught up to meet him in the air glory to God if it happens in my lifetime before this before gravity loses all hold on this little fat boy there's going to be one more thing that happens first amen glory to God I'm telling you something them old graves are going to come alive again right all the saints that went on before us I have thought I've Preached in many uh, uh, little church, uh, I like them little country church houses, and they 'll have a like a cemetery out there beside it, and stuff and, and i 've preached in a lot of those and i 've thought several times. What if today is the day? What would it look like? What would it be like, right? I've heard people explain it to them old saints of God. They'll just kind of quietly slip up out of them graves. And maybe that's how it happened. But here's what I think. I think them old graveyards are going to look like plowed fields, glory to God. I think they're going to come a-busting out of there, right? They're going to come a-busting out of there to meet the Lord in the air. And we're going to be right behind them. That ought to give you something to shout about. That ought to give you something to be excited about. Hallelujah. We will be going to be with Him. Right? If, if, if you've accepted that sacrifice, if you've repented of your sins and turned to Him, right, and given your heart to Him, man, you're going to, you're going to be with me right there, right behind Him, headed up there. Gravity will no longer have a hold on you either. that's what the resurrection means that's what we're celebrating that's what we are looking for with hopeful hopeful anticipation right that is what we know a confident expectation a, a hopeful anticipation that we know is coming so the question for you is we is are you going to be part of that resurrection? What I've actually described to you is called the resurrection of life. There's also another resurrection called the resurrection of damnation. It actually says in John chapter five. You can read this and check it out for yourself. John chapter five, verse 28 and 29 says, "Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves." You hear that? All, all that are in the graves. That's what I've just been talking about, right? All that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good, meaning those who have gotten saved, who accepted Christ, unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. That's the great white throne judgment. That's where everyone that is a part of that resurrection is judged according to their works, right? And in every one, right? If you go there to, what is that, Revelation chapter 21, and you read that, or chapter 20 maybe, uh, you go there and read that, you'll see everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, everyone who is judged according to their works, come up short. None are righteous. None are good enough on their own. You can't do enough good works to make it on your own. You can't even it out, right? You can't tip the scales in your favor. So the question for you, which is why I started to ask this a minute ago, is will you be resurrected to life or to damnation? Will it be to spend an eternity with Jesus or to spend an eternity with Jesus? In hell, and in the lake of fire. Totally up to you. Totally here, you know, like they like, like they like to say today, no judgment. Well, there's a judgment that's coming, but uh, uh, listen to me. Right now, God has left that totally up to you. You can accept Him or you can reject Him. Your call. Whatever you want to do. If the hell and lake of fire sound better to you, I don't envy you. I'm going to be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. (laughs) You want to see a fat boy fly? You just wait. (laughs) You just wait until the resurrection day. I'm going. (laughs) I'm out of here. I'm one of his hey he is worthy I, I, I've given my life to him I'm serving him you can't stop me you can't hold me back Satan has tried but he but he ain't it ain't worked, and it ain't going to work. I'm telling you, I'm on that. I'm on that bus that's headed. I'm on that one, the the ones that are headed, right? I, I preached a revival one time as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation, and there was a, they was an older gentleman that was on the front, and he made a joke about getting an international busload ready. And uh, anyways, uh, I, I don't know about the international busload part. I've I've joked with him since then about being, getting on that bus, but I'm telling you, I'm ready. Whenever he goes, I am ready, right? Whenever he calls, right? The sound of his voice, that's what the scripture says that i quoted to you this morning, right? I am ready, and my question is, are you? Are you? Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar. I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, if if He's drawing you, don't wait. Don't hesitate. You might not have another opportunity. There may not be a tomorrow. So I'm asking you, would you come? If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come? So often we hold back and we worry what someone else might think or what other people might think listen to me it don't matter what other people think it does not matter all that matters is what god thinks so if you've got a need if you've got a burden would you come if the spirit of god is dealing with you would you come maybe you've realized this morning that you're lost and undone maybe for the first time you realize that or then again maybe god's been dealing with you for a while and you realize that you're not where you ought to be, I want to invite you to come this morning. Listen to me. Don't worry what others might think. I'm telling you, the angels in heaven will rejoice. (laughs) Would you come this morning? Maybe you've just got a heavy burden for somebody. Maybe God's burdened your heart with somebody. Maybe there are some things that you're dealing with. Maybe there are some things that you're struggling with, right? Now would be a good time to come and talk to Jesus about it. Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come this morning? Whatever the need, whatever the burden, would you come? Would you come?